Hi everyone, it's Adam from Middle Age Gaming, and I am here today with Bobby to talk about the game that he's been working on with his team. So I want to make sure I get the title right. Is it Terra Elias or Terra Alias? Or Terra Alia. Alia. Okay. Alia. Alia. Okay. I was wondering if you're not alone in that. We've had a few Americans playing around with the pronunciation of it. Okay. Terra Alia. Is there a story behind the name or a meaning behind it? I think there was at some point, but it's just become more of a meme now. People trying to forget the actual name. Okay. Because was... there is some deeper foreign meaning. If you care to learn the words in the game, I'm sure you'd be able to translate it a lot more clearly. I bet. Okay. I've only <laughs> done it in the. I've only done the demo. I haven't played the full game. Yeah. Because I was looking at, it, I was like, okay, Terra Earth, and then I'm looking at, is it Alia? You said, and I'm like, okay, is that like Alias? So then alias is like a name. So is this like the name for the earth or is this like a name? For the... <laughs> no, so I'm trying to like, you know, my, my little gears are clicking what's going on with this. But tell us a bit about you and your company and developers and everything. And what's your position? Yeah, it's my name's uh, Bobby. I'm a games designer with around four years of XP. And I have been very lucky to be a part of an awesome team known as 30 Parallel, who previous to my boarding up the company had released what's now known as Terra Alia a language learning RPG, but that's quite a simplification of the actual boat. And yes, yeah, so my involvement mostly has been on what we're calling 2.0 here, a big update. And as a game designer, it was my kind of job to come in and just really review everything that already was, make absolutely sure that it was as legible as possible, as, as localized as possible. And that a lot of the quest stuff was very well squared away. I was a perfect test case because I consider myself quite the beverage kind of gamer. I've fallen in that category of people who probably spend hours in open worlds, never really getting anywhere, and then indulge in hours of YouTube content or something explaining to me all the nuances and stuff that I've missed. Uh, but at the same time, it allows me to view things from a lens of the kind of beverage man gamer when you come in and quite possibly just skip through all the hints skip through all the tutorials and then find yourself uh, knee deep in it so to speak so that's been a real cool experience for me having worked on other titles um, on roblox previously and um, there's a huge impetus there to have that first time user experience for the tutorials as seamless as possible and allowing players of all levels of skill to very quickly understand the core game loops and I believe that's more so what we've accomplished with 2.0. But over and above that, there's a whole plethora of things that we've hammered in here. We can get into that later, I'm sure. Basically, describes me at the moment. I also worked on some Hot Wheels stuff with Roblox. Man, the Masters of the Universe, which is a huge cue for me. I'm 37 year old and had half the toys up in my mother's basement. A highlight there was we had the streamer known as Tyler Ninja Blevins done an influencer integration with that that was just surreal and yes more recently i'm working on spongebob with the roblox platform but it's been a real honor and a privilege to be a part of the third parallel team to help try and draw the best for this experience okay so is uh, the whole team in scotland like you or are you guys a global thing and you do most things remotely so we have a little bit of a mix the bulk of the team is from spain Okay. I have a producer from Portugal. We also have our studio head who's American, French, Spanish speaking, depending on what day of the week. And then we have myself and also a Julia, a lovely marketer from Poland, I believe. But yeah, there's a lot of 
multicultural diversity in there, you could call it, but it's very easy to all sing from the same hymn sheet and we all know exactly what it is we want to do. So that's, again, some experience. All right. Yeah, because when, when we first heard that you guys were interested in doing an interview, we, we were really excited because Brian, Philip, myself, we are all EFL teachers or at least have been EFL teachers in the past. Language learning is really important to us. In Antoine's case, English is not his native language, so obviously he's had to learn English. So a game designed around language learning is just something that was really exciting to all of us. What was the, do you know what the inspiration was or what was the inspiration for why you guys decided that you wanted to do this? Was it because of the kind of multicultural team or was it prior to that and then you assembled your team or? From my experience of joining the team after the game had initially come out, from what I'm able to gather, was that there was a bunch of mitigating factors. They wanted to make something fun, but they also wanted to make something within separate parameters that, shall we say, allowed us some awesome grants, depending on the cultural influence in that nation where the, the game is being developed. Essentially, if you're a learning-based game, you could earn certain grants and facilities to help aid your production of that game obviously being 2023 we're all tight fisted and over the past few years it hasn't been the most fiscal opportunity for some of us in that case any leg up you can take you'll get therein lies the rub i believe because anyone who has done anything to do with language will know how difficult and complex it can be and decided to do 10 languages which as i've mentioned before doesn't just mean you have to do lqe 10 times that means you have to do that for 10 pairings with 10. Therefore, you can go from English to French or French to German or so on and so forth. And with every new addition, we then have to go and spend a lot of time there. I think, yeah, I think it's safe to say the fact that a lot of the team are multilingual, not just bilingual, multilingual, had probably a good bit to do with it. I think where we maybe thought it would have been easy but we also thought it would be a challenge, and that's what's fun. If we can create something that's challenging for us to create, but also that's challenging for the players to enjoy, then we're not only we're playing with our own game here in that sense. We're enjoying ourselves. That probably be more so said for the earlier stages of development right up to the middle. The last few months have certainly been trying with the help of our community. It's been fantastic feedback to be able to keep us on the right and narrow from any minor little language changes that have gone into the game that may have had unforeseen ramifications but yeah i think the european eurocentric games industry is certainly very open very bilingual and i think they had a huge impact on the creation of this game to be honest okay so how i can't speak for that because i'm not i'm unilingual at best if you could say scottish as a language like one and a <laughs> half yeah so how far into development was it when you joined in? So the game released, I believe, 2021, just before I came on board. And essentially, it wasn't a, a complete bomb, but it wasn't a blockbuster. You might not have seen us at Game of, Game of the Year Awards and such like things. So the impetus was like, what are we going to do with this? Are we just going to drop this like a hot potato and say, right, next thing? Or are we going to do ourselves and the fans of this game a nice little bit of service and instead of releasing bug patch after bug patch to fix a minor LQE issue we would go 
okay, let's give it a Hail Mary, let's give it one big massive shot here for a 2.0 and leave this game in the state that we would be absolutely happy with. I believe the first release was we're very happy with anything. Uh-oh, lost some audio here. Can't hear you. Yeah. Can you still hear me? I can still hear you. Okay, now I can hear you again. I don't know yeah. what happened there. Yeah, I believe my language. Uh, I believe I was coming through on Zencaster, but... Yeah, I don't know, for whatever reason. It may just be my internet. Apologies. Uh, yeah, so basically circle back on that. I think that when I came on board, it was a really interesting time because I looked at the game, thought, oh, this looks cool. Then seen that it was a language learning game and went, oh, God, I'm not touching that. As someone who jerked around in French and didn't pay much attention and very much was not interested in learning a, a, another language when I was a teen. Very much to my regret now, but at the same time, when I actually was then tasked with, okay, come in here, have a look at this game. How could we go about improving on what's already here, what we believe is quite a good game, quite a good design. And I genuinely had a blast. Finding out that I retained so much knowledge from French was a shock. I was genuinely shocked <laughs> how much I retained. And it felt fun to be able to almost cheese the game a little. Yeah. I know this. I know. I remember this. Click. Uh, and to that end, it certainly awakened my eyes to what a language learning aid experience game, however you want to phrase it, can be. And I think especially with what they had created and how we've managed to refine it, we have this very well-oiled language learning aid tool. I think that's the best way to describe it. You could go into this and attempt to learn a language from start to finish. I think you would probably be at somewhat of a disadvantage. However, if you have any understanding of the language or any kind of tutorage, tutelage around you while you're playing this game, I can only see it as a benefit. We've had language teachers, professors basically approach us and say, I want keys for this on every one of my computers because they know that the kids will actually absolve the knowledge instead of staring at a chalkboard all day or a whiteboard or whatever 3D boards we use nowadays. But uh, yeah, I think that kind of describes where I was when I came in, where I am at the point of my bringing on to the project. That was going to be one of my other questions was, maybe you don't know this because you came in later, but when the game was being designed, being obviously people designing games or game developers, but not necessarily linguists or language teachers. And language teachers are probably not game designers. It's probably a relatively small overlap there. So do you know how much involvement there were with, say, linguists or people that aren't necessarily usually involved in game design, but more in language learning and that sort of thing? Like, how did that work and consultation? That's really interesting. So right off the bat, we have some very strong characters within the team who can speak more than one language and fluently. So they were very easily capable of doing the core foundational work of, okay, here's what we were setting out to do. What do we want the player to understand? What's fundamental from that? In the latter stages, those people have unfortunately become the, the workhorses of, okay, we can split this off from LQA, just you play through the game on Spanish to German or what have you. We have had a lot of LQA, what's known as language quality issues, and that has been uh, tumultuous at best because, as I say, we have so many language parents. And then when we came to the decision to, okay, we want to add hints, we want to add or change in the dialogue within the quests, that in and of itself become a huge logistical issue because you'll know within language it may sound very simple. I just want to change one word of this sentence. 
But then I'm going to translate that across 10 different languages. That one word has changed the meaning of that sentence or that paragraph across several different languages. So doing our due diligence there was very difficult. But again, we've had a lot of support. The community, for one, have been fantastic. Anyone who's been specifically geared towards our language that they maybe already know or maybe we're already learning, were very quick and very helpful in pointing out here, I don't think that actually means what you think it means. Or this little bit of UI here doesn't actually mean menu, it means the box window. Small, you could say nitpicky stuff, but it's been absolutely fabulous and a huge social wealth for us to be able to draw with the community and actually help create the game with the community. We had a streamer who's been learning Japanese and she more recently, I believe, agreed to do a German playthrough just to help, just to help out. She was really interested in the game. She's really enjoyed the game and she's quite literally volunteered herself. And we were, you know what? We've nothing to lose here. We've got an extra week. We have this one German playthrough that we really need tested. A bit more vaguer sense, but certainly tested around the boundaries of the game in a more natural way. And those kind of relationships are just golden for us because now we're all behind her. We're throwing keys at our streams and going, yes, let's promote your stuff. Thank you so much. You're absolutely fabulous. I just can't, I can't think of another industry where people are so ready to help. It can be quite easy to see criticism or see comments or feedback as this jab, nitpicky, you didn't do this right, you didn't do that. It's certainly a lot better if you address that feedback as professionally and courteously as you can. Someone has taken the time out of their day to tell you about a problem that are having with your product. It is paramount to us that we engage with that person, that we discover exactly, okay, is this a bug? Is this a one-off case? Is this a user error? Is this something that we can recreate? And if so, how quick can we patch that and then let that person know, thank you so much, we fixed this up. If you want to play through the game again or play through from your latest save, that issue should be fixed. So it's been an interesting ride. It's been a it's been a costly one, but at the same time, I think there's a lot of groundwork being done here on that those sets of languages and the processes that we've set up to be able to create that type of experience. Whether or not we want to do it again and pull our hair out, <laughs> try to mix up the other languages is another question, but the time will tell, I would say. Oh, that would cover two of my questions. I was, A, wondering if you were planning on adding more language support in the future, and then B, if you were possibly looking into maybe a sequel or spiritual successor, maybe not a direct sequel, but another language learning game or something like that in the future. I kind of can't say certain things. I'll put it like that. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, which is interesting for a language game. However, the other languages is very interesting. I drafted up a meme for our social media marketing stuff where you're in the language selection screen. And the meme was basically around April 1st. Oh, we're thinking of adding some new languages. So what do you think? And I'd added Klingon, a Elvish, and another made-up language, Scottish. So that is, I gave them permission to do that, folks. Okay, I gave them permission. <laughs> but that kind of got us talking. And we have a network. We have connections. We are having discussions, shall we say, within the team and with other IP holders of the potential possibility of, in the future, being able to add some other made-up languages, because that would be fantastic. I'd spam through Klim on a weekend, no problem. It'd probably sound closer to Scottish by the end. Of the <laughs> and uh, yeah, as for as for repeat experiences or sequels, 
what I can say is that we've supported this game. And as I said, the systems that we've set up are certainly valuable to us anyway, as developers. And the hope is that uh, should we have enough time and funding and it's kismet and stars are all aligned, then sure, there's absolutely no reason why it couldn't end up on another platform. <clears throat> Sorry, that wasn't a hint. My headphones just fell. But we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. Just wondering if you're open to the idea or if this was kind of like, oh my God, this was so much work right. that it's just, no, we're done. No, I think, as I said, there's a foundation being set there. We have this, this system now worked out where we can relatively go, okay, we can change things, but we now know it's going to be A, B, C, D before that that's to that place. So if we're going to make these sets of changes or we're going to introduce things, we have to be very smart about it, <laughs> be very minimalist about it at the same time. But yeah, so there's, there's always room for uh, for future endeavors based on the same kind of IP, I would say. Okay. Yeah, when you were mentioning Scottish as a, another language, that was something I was wondering about, because obviously Scottish is English, or at least uh, you're using not the... I bastardized English, if you'll excuse my language, yes. <laughs> but yeah, but the point is English is so diverse between different countries, right? And then, for example, Chinese... Being here in Taiwan, Taiwanese Chinese is not used the same way as it is on the mainland. We use simple, or we use traditional. They use simplified. When I was playing through the demo, I was doing Chinese, but of course everything was in simplified, so I can't read it. And then not only that, but then some of the sentence structures or some of the just the way they word things is slightly different. In the sen similar sense to the, say an American might word something differently from an Australian or something like that. So how? Does that decision get made? You just go for the largest population of a language, or how do you decide which version of a language that you're going to end up following, basically? Yeah, so I think obviously commercially, we're just trying to think about the most uh, most accessible product to the wider audience. And in that sense, yes, we could have gone into maybe three or four derivations of Chinese, but that would have been very costly and that would have been harnessed on the one side. I think obviously as anyone who studied or, or can speak Chinese, Japanese, and even Russian, those posed a lot of challenges for us in the development cycle. I think very early on, it was a case of, okay, humble yourself here. You've taken on one of the most complex languages on the planet. How can we do it justice without trying to cover too many bases and try to do things that we're not capable of doing? And I think that really just came down to, okay, let's stick with not the most simplest, but certainly the most default, as you would put it, uh, potentially, version of that language. It is a tough thing to decide because we obviously know you're then not going to please all the people all the time. But that being said, considering there are 10 languages in the game, I think for the most part, if not wholly, we've done We've done ourselves justice, or at least tried to within the scope of the project, I believe. Was there ever any kind of heated moments where you're trying to decide? For instance, Chinese too, like for example, in English, just the spelling. Do you use American standardized spelling or do you use UK standardized spelling? Was there ever the feelings getting involved in that or were people pretty chill and they're like, yeah, you know what, this makes the most sense? You know, yeah, that's an interesting one. I don't, I'm not entirely sure. I default to American spelling. And I default to American spelling personally because a lot of the software that we use will essentially default to that, knowing fine well that you're speaking to Americans. That can be a little annoying, just for my own spelling sake and trying to retain certain words, spellings. However, 
No, I don't think the actual language itself caused all too much friction. There was certainly a lot of battleship forwards when we were trying to explain the localization of something. So, for example, how something is said in Spanish or in any other language for that matter, and then how it is translated into English and then delivered are two separate things. Mm-hmm. And a few of the times, not a lot, but a few of the times within my work across the, the main quest and the, the dialogue within the game, you had to read over a few times. And then there would have to be a discussion of, okay, what it is exactly are you trying to say here? And how can that best definitely reflect what's in the game? And I don't think there was heated moments on that, but there was certainly a bit of a bit of fun trying to iron out the wrinkles, so to speak. No, do you mean this? Yeah, but you're not saying that. You're saying this. <laughs> yeah, but what do you mean? It says everything it says. That's exactly what it needs to say. Yeah, but people or well, this line would say won't register it as that because normally it would come in another way. But yeah, I think we're quite an honest group, which can lead to some fruitful conversations, thankfully. But we all have a, a level of professionalism and understanding, I would like to think, where we essentially look after each other and make sure that we all know exactly where we are with each other and what it is we're trying to say. Ironically enough, in the communication, it all comes back down to that. As long as we are communicating as concisely and as professionally as possible, with a little bit of personal twist in there, I think anybody in any team has the capability to do, to hit the goals that they've set out to at least attempt. So how do you decide, because I noticed when I was playing the Chinese version, there's going to be cases where it comes up and it just blatantly says in parentheses, there's no translation for this. And so I know, for example, and I'm like, no, there is, but it's just, you can't directly translate it. You just have to completely say it in a different way when it comes to English. So you couldn't just write a sentence underneath that means the same thing. You'd have to completely restructure a sentence. So at what point do you, did you guys have some sort of criteria or did you just have to eyeball it where you say, okay, this is what we need to translate. And at this point, we're going to say, you know what, just screw it. We're just going to say no direct translation just to simplify it. And because explaining it would just be too much. So do you have criteria yeah. for that or is it just kind of like a case by case basis? It very much could come down to a case by case basis because the, the LQ system that we have set in place does things in bulk. So we send away the bulk of the script and we get the bulk of the script back with this is wrong. So we then have to take our time and due diligence to go through all that one by one and go, why isn't this right? Is this just a mistake? Is it not being translated correctly in the first instance before it was said to LQA? There's a myriad of factors. So in that sense, yes, it has a case by case basis. One of the biggest pitfalls, I would say, when it comes to that type of thing, weirdly enough, has been the UI. Because with these larger characters, and in some cases, larger set and structures that derive from the source language, we're trying to fit these things into smaller, or at least screen-fitting dialogue, have everything somewhat uniform. Before you know it, there's a sentence that could rattle right across the screen. You may have even seen a couple of those, specifically in Japanese and Chinese, we've had that issue. This is something that we could have possibly foreseen, but when you're tracking 10 languages across 10 language pairings with multiple different LQAs, it becomes a bit of an executive decision to go, you know what, we don't have the time, we don't have the money, just pull that chunk out. It certainly has with any parallel experience so far, if there was enough of a, a kickback or cry out, that was something that the fans or community really cared specifically about, then it would be something we would have to address, I would imagine. It's not something anyone wants to do, is cut entire chunks out. But as you say, those things can become very 
complex and time consuming and when it comes to just the one singular instance in that case it, it becomes a bit of a tooth pulling exercise of do we keep it in and let it, let it degrade people's experiences who have been Japan or do at least uh, sorry, learning Chinese, Japanese and so on or do we hang a bit of a lamp shade on it and go look guys it's we don't have a translation for that I think what you maybe articulated there maybe a better instance for us to say is that we don't have a translation for that not that this cannot be translated there is no translation <laughs> yeah, yeah bear with us coming soon <laughs> yeah my wife's taiwanese and occasionally like her or some of my co-workers and they'll be like oh how do you say this in english and they'll have a one word for it and it's usually they're like descriptions of a personality type or a kind of person and they just have a word for it like we might have a phrase like a stick in the mud right oh he's a stick in the mud and they might have some other phrase like oh he's blank but then when they're like how do you say that in english and i would say oh we would just describe the person we would say he's the kind of person that does this and it's we don't have a word for it so no we don't have one word for it we we can express <laughs> that concept but we don't have a singular word to describe that kind of person and yeah i can see like sometimes okay you might need an entire sentence just to describe this one idea but for gameplay reasons it's not really all that important right here so really like these are the key words you need to focus on and that sort of thing. Talking about that, how about you introduce the game, the story, and maybe some of the gameplay loops so people who are listening, I should have done this at the beginning, but... Oh, yeah. No worries. But, hey, we're enjoying uh, ourselves. We're having good conversation. Yes, introduce yeah, it into this. Tell us what we're getting into if we play this game. Okay, so Terra Alia is a fantastical technological world where you are set as a former student of a magical academy. And... The world of Tenalia has basically grown up with or evolved with magic and technology as one and simpatico. You come back to your old university as at the request from your professors to basically check up, check in and see how your travels and exploits have been going. When you arrive there, you realize your old professor and mentor has gone missing. From that point, the game's afoot. Essentially, you are given a wand very special wand that if you use on anything in the game you ever take a few peripheral assets but 90 percent of the assets within the game in my opinion are items that you can click and earn xp from what that means is when you click that item you hear its form equivalent the language that you're attempting to learn and you earn xp as you see the word as well so you're essentially rewarded for learning. That's the core of the game as was base. And from there, you can use the language that you're learning to boost up your mana, your magic, your lingua, as we call it in the game. Uh, you can do that through one of the simple basic machinery that we have. It's a language learning machine. You can test yourself or you have actually dialogue challenges within all the NPCs or a bunch of the NPCs throughout the world. These are, in some cases, not repeatable challenges, but challenges that have up to three, three reward tiers. So you can go and just skim past the language, uh, the dialogue challenge, and get a bronze. Or you can do not so bad second time around and get a silver, but if you whip them on the third attempt, that's you got yourself a gold, and you can, again, you can come back and take those dialogue challenges again, or more, as we put in. Uh, from there, you want to, you're essentially left to explore the larger world of Terra Alia outside the school grounds to begin with. 
where you'll come across all sorts between floating broomsticks to creepy old janitors in the corner to the menacing school kids and bullies you would find in any classic school-based RPG. You can enter into turn-based combat in certain encountered areas and in certain storyline missions, which is a very, I would say, a unique way of doing the turn-based combat. It's not a basic one-to-one, I go, you go, I go, you go. It's more of a a metered engage system, which is why we included a a, a meter at the front of the HUD for 2.0. And this is where the fun begins. You really get to start playing with spells, playing with your different spell builds and uh, your different skill tree abilities and skills that will then accent those spells that you use. You get to learn and play around with the timing of using these spells because timing does play a good factor within the combat itself. But then, essentially, your main impetus for the whole game is to try and find out the mystery of what happened to your favourite Professor Speranto. And, yeah, the story leads you from the school grounds out to the larger city, out to fantastic desert, down to deep, dark dungeons. And and beyond, with 2.0 now, we have the capability to traverse backwards and forwards across these spaces even after you've completed the game so that you can go and max out all your skills and max out all your side quests and what have you. And yeah, essentially, language learning is the core loop here because it can give you an advantage even in combat, although combat doesn't have a lot to do with the language. That's just more your traditional RPG feel to it to make sure that we gave the game something else very honed in to the RPG genre. And it's worth noting too that not only can you play, you select the game's language, and then you can also select the language you're learning, so you can play from any of those 10 languages and then learn any of those 10 languages, so it goes both ways. That's it. Myself, it's been a lot of English to French, but I think once I've mastered French, I can certainly see myself going from French to something else and using that as, as a very fundamental way for me to try and learn exactly how good my French actually is. But there, there's I don't want to say there's infinite possibilities, but in that sense, there are. There's 10 languages there. If you've dabbled in any one of these languages or you have a broad understanding of some of the more basic things, this could be a great way for you to be able to brush up on that, to expand on that. If you are already at an intermediate level to even pushing on advances, it's a great brush up tool. It's a great way for you to experiment, do your homework whilst playing a game. And as I say, don't let it fool you. The RPG element is very strong. Uh, and I think that the basic fundamental quest, the story and game loops within the combat as well, really brought the whole experience together because those things were very tightly knit and understood to, to work at a decent level before any of the language side of it was really implemented. So one of the things I noticed early on was you have the, they call them the ATMs, right? And yeah. you can access those and... As you click around, you gather your vocabulary and then you can go to the ATM and you can do this thing where it'll give you a word or something and you have to click the correct word in the other language or whatever. And that to me, because I've tried things like Memrise and Duolingo, looked very similar to stuff that they've had there. How much inspiration have you drawn from, say, other apps or programs to help people with language learning? And which ones did you draw inspiration from and how much would you say you've drawn from that versus how much have you said, we need to find 
our own solution to this because maybe this wasn't working when I tried it. Like I've tried Duolingo and I have my own problems with it. But how much did you guys look at, say, something like that and say, okay, I tried, this is something I didn't like. So this is something that I want to address and adapt in a new way. Yeah, I can only imagine, I can only speak so far on behalf of the group, but I can only imagine the majority of them will have used this type of software before. And I think what's fundamental to that software and other language learning exercises is the, the, the aforementioned flashcard method, where we have blank spaces and we have words that you should have at least come across by now or potentially have come across by now, and you essentially complete that challenge by either process of elimination or your own memory. And, and even in the process of elimination, when you get something wrong, you're more likely to go, oh, hold on, I thought that was right. No, hold, oh, it's wrong. And there you've learned something. I think in that sense, there was no urgency to reinvent the wheel. Those methods are proven and do work. However, as we know, they're not always the most exciting. We have them in the game so that you have the capability at any given point to go and max out your lingua, but also to go and practice and also to go and review how far you've come. As you mentioned, there's quite literally a, a vocabulary index in there that just scrolls through every single word that you have learned. And then on top of that, you have access to the dialogue challenges that you have had within that machine. Where you can, again, review exactly what was said, how it was said, I think what we offer that's certainly a lot more wrong above that is that the gamification of this, to the extent that it is, that we've given people the ability to learn this in a more fantastical setting from a start. And then adding to that, I genuinely believe that the overall product with one, the ability to earn XP from doing these things, two, being able to progress. Three, being able to earn rewards through the lock boxes that we have placed all around the place that are just locked by words. And as soon as you learn those words, you'll be able to open those lock boxes and earn greater rewards. I think those aspects alone, again, it's not reinventing the wheel here. These aren't concepts that are new to man, but certainly to putting these all these concepts together into one experience based around language, I think that that certainly had a bit more of a feeling of strength compared to the typical go-to devices and, and software for these types of things. As I've mentioned before, with some of the some of the teachers and professors that have come forward and said, "This is fantastic. This is something I know the kids are going to pay attention to, other and over above me just droning them through and trying to come up with new and inventive ways." As I'm sure a lot of them do. But speaking to someone who did not pay attention in French, I would have gobbled this up back in the day. <laughs> I'd have been speaking fluent French in France. <laughs> That's, so in my classes, one of the, obviously a lot of times we do, if we're doing like say a flashcard game, I just, this popped in my mind. We'll do a flashcard game, but we'll call up two kids to see who can do it faster. Have you ever thought of adding some sort of PVP mode or something like that, where you could play against other language learners? Yeah, there, there was an early talk of possible multiplayer. If anyone who's done anything to do with multiplayer knows how infinitely more complex that. And then for us to, you're talking there, is then we'd be pinning the players somewhat into right, using to choose which languages we're going against. And then we would have to be able to you know, square away those pairs together. Uh, never say never, is what I would say. There's certainly potential for that type of stuff. I think, it, personally, I think it'd be really cool 
if you were to say have a team of two, three, four, however many friends, and you were able to potentially work on your own language set within that environment, but still working as a as a team towards a common goal, that kind of thing could be very cool and interesting. And I can already hear the team groaning in the background. Just <laughs> hear the, the pure mention or idea of it, but it is something that we had spoken about. Multiplayer is obviously such a huge part, and co-op is such a huge part of the games industry, certainly as of late. But for this particular project, it was a case of let's make the best single player language learning experience that we can make from now. And yeah, th- there's no reason why these types of things couldn't be explored in a later, a later type. I don't remember which app it was. It might have been memorized, but I remember they had a leaderboard where basically people were doing, they would just do whatever they had to do and you know, you would get points for it or whatever. And it would say, oh, this person's blazed through a thousand words this month and this guy, so they would have a leaderboard of who's been the most. And so I know that having that competitive edge is something that keeps people engaged as well as just the good yeah. gameplay on its own. The closest thing we've got to that, the Steam achievements that you can okay. earn. We've got a bunch of unique achievements and cards from what you that you can earn through that. So I guess that's just out of your own personal bravado where you want to show that off and <laughs> collect them all, so to speak. A lot of people do. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right. Ah, Brad, I had another question. I can't remember. So I didn't experiment with this. I was wondering, though, if you were a person who wants to say just play the game and you were you're a little bit anxious about language learning, you're a little bit nervous, but you are curious about the game. Could you, in theory, select the same language as the base game language and the language you're learning? So like English and just make it <laughs> no. a easy mode if they wanted to? Is that a possibility or does the game lock you out? I don't think we have that capability in the game. <laughs> Although it's actually rather interesting to think of that. Yeah, I believe when you pick whichever language you've picked, comes off of the table of 10 languages when you then okay. pick whichever language. I could have sworn I saw English on both tables and I was like, wait a second. Um, if it doesn't come off there, I don't think you can click it. Okay. Might be the case. I may be wrong. You better find a massive loophole here in <laughs> ways for people to just literally cheat through the game. What I will say though is we have optimized 2.0 specifically to try and take away any of the fun pain or take away any of the, the aspects that's forcing people to go down certain avenues. For instance, the random encounters for combat, we now have those set within a boundary that's quite visible on the screen. And if you want, you can just charge through the game's quest stuff, which in and of themselves don't have a lot of dialogue town stuff directly. You just really have to learn the words involved with the quest. So for instance, if you're being asked to go and find flowers in French, you're probably going to need to know what the word is. However, a lot of the stuff we'd done with 2.0, again, was went in and made sure there was enough hints and enough enough of a clue within the actual quest dialogue itself that the player could should be able to figure this stuff out fairly quickly. As I say, what we really have done is optimised it so that players who wish to just rattle through the experience as fast as they can or just on a different build or a different playthrough can do so without having to do side quests without having to, 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 to deal with random combat without having to go and mess around too much with, with the ATM machines and dialogue challenges it would be difficult to do the entire game without interacting somewhat with the language element however it's not impossible I don't think to do it with minimal language learning experience alright 
That's good to know. Yeah, because that, that was one thing that I was, I saw in the comments, and then I even struggled with it was when I got to, there's one part where you're supposed to tell some bullies to stop littering. And one of them you enter a fight with. And I got to the point where I would, I, I guess what the way it works is you have your kind of, your bar that builds up. And when it builds up, then you get to use your attack. And then your attack has a speed before it pulls it off. But this guy was using some really low level attacks, but they kept interrupting me and knocking me out. And I was just like, ah, I can't even do anything. Um, yeah. So I was wondering if there's like difficulty, not for the language necessarily, but for the game itself, if there's difficulty options. Yeah. So what we've done with 2.0 specifically was went over that combat and refined it as best we could. Made sure that absolutely every enemy the enemy was having some severe troubles with outside was a little more fine-tuned. For stuff like that, you're talking that there is a lot of learning experience within the choice of spells and how you use them and when you use them. I even still to this day struggle with certain mid-tier enemies that if I'm just not paying attention to what spells I'm using or I haven't loaded up the best loadout of spells, I can certainly struggle with those. I think what the combat itself was setting out to do and was set out to do and certainly by 2.0 I believe has successfully achieved this was give people a slightly more ranged experience of turn-based combat that isn't just one-to-one you go I go you go I go and it allows for the annoying but the possibility of being beaten or being caught off guard there's a lot of fun to be had in trying to figure out ways to play the game where you're not going to get spammed like that from an opponent uh, but there is a learning curve to those, to, to those spells and, and to this form of combat. With 2.0, what we've done specifically was put in, uh, as I mentioned before, the combat meter that makes it a hell of a lot more readable, I suspect. It was still readable with the UI that we had. However, having a flat-out timeline in your face that openly shows you, he's about to hit you, you're about to get hit, you may want to shield up or you may want to think about whether your next spell could supersede their spell and in that case, we have three separate options of how you can view that UI. And in that, because of that, I believe that there is a certain, certainly not a difficulty setting, but it can be a lot easier to use and can be a lot easier to read with certain UI elements. We had spoke about easy modes and hard modes and what have you, but I reckon the, the balance that we have has allowed the players and the larger experience anyway, the ability to get wrecked and then go away and min-max up and then come back. The, the stairway bully, and specifically for me, was one of the uh, yeah, that was one of the earliest ones, and I struggled with them quite a bit. And I genuinely was like, so wrong with the balance in this game, man. This is not balanced well. And it was until our studio producer Carlos was like, Bobby, this is a skill issue. This is a skill issue. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, really? Is it? Again, with 2.0, I think what we've done is gone out our way to try and really hit it home to people that, look, if you're not winning, it's not because the game's broken. You need to go away and find other ways of leveling up. You need to go away and make sure your Lingua is maxed out. You need to go to the shop and buy all the best gear or get as many loot boxes as you can and spec all your gear up. And that grinding experience in and of itself is, in my opinion, quite a satisfactory one, especially... The later on you get in the game, you have the capability to then just almost one-shot enemies with your higher-level spells and stuff. Yeah. So speaking of those kind of the gameplay loops and the whole get-good mentality, what the games were you guys inspired by for this one that you were like, oh, we want to take elements of this or elements of that and put that into this one? 
yeah, I know uh, the, the Persona series had a, a huge kind of profound effect on a lot of the team. They seemed to to be very enamoured with that series. I wasn't as lucky to have played a lot of those games when I was younger, but I do have an appreciation for understanding for them, your Final Fantasies and whatnot. Like, obviously, there's somewhat of a magic academia, if you can call that, a genre, a uh, bit of inspiration in there. But the deeper world in and of itself has quite a a larger lore that was developed by the producers and writers of the game that I find quite exciting. I know a lot a lot of fantasy geeks, shall we call them, certainly get into the timeline straight off the bat with the early story stuff of how humanity has evolved with these other creatures. As far as the combat, uh, I know that there was certainly Persona and Final Fantasy inspirations in there. But again, there was a bit of a hunger to create something just a little bit more spicy, a little bit different, something that can catch people off or keep people engaged. Yeah, I think that would be the best way to describe that. It's about how long is the game. If For your average person who, let's say they're intermediate, they have a basic knowledge of the language, maybe they don't know every word. How long would you say would be an average playthrough from start to finish before you would start over and maybe try a different language? I would say something about between four and six hours, depending on skill level. Yeah, it's deceptively large, but put it like that. The further you go outside of the demo specifically within the game, the first level or, or biome, as we call it, should definitely keep you enthralled for at least a couple of hours. Once you've got the core kind of grip there, it's just dependent on your exploration and how deep you want to really expand on the side quests and all the interactions that can be had outside of the main mission stuff. If you were just going to beeline the main quest stuff, you could probably snap that in about two to three hours, depending on your luck and your RNG with the combat. But yeah, I would probably say for myself, the first proper kind of, what's the best way to put it? unhelped play through just play the game bobby see what happens play the game come back to us and complete the game i spent five six hours tearing my hair out at certain points where i, was like, I just don't understand this ah can't find this item and, and what have you and that yeah that was roughly about five to six hours before i, I reached the final boss who bested me so much in that playthrough but again as you mentioned one of the beautiful things is that if you have been hammer away at it for too long in a certain language perhaps there's the opportunity to go you know what take a break from this come back to it maybe i'll try a different language or even just a new build and spec that build differently than what you'd already done i thought great fun being able to do that but play testing the game over and over with its various iterations to 2.0 so i've had a great advantage of being able to choose different spell sets and find out the best ways to spec up your character and how to quickly get that xp and move on up yeah it's not a it's not a boundless experience but we again we've done after the fact was made sure that the teleports across the levels were two ways now at 2.0 so once you've completed the main storyline there's nothing to stop you once again going back and just maxing out that character and doing every side quest possible and one shot and all the enemies that annoyed you all the way. So one of the things that I always struggled with Duolingo, and I didn't see it in the demo, so I'm curious. There's a lot of focus on vocabulary, but not so much ex explanation of the grammar. For example, sometimes I would be looking at some of these sentences, and like I said, with China, mainland Chinese versus Taiwanese Chinese, they might say something different. So they might have, maybe there are four options that I have to 
order in order to create a correct sentence. And I'm sitting there thinking, I would never use those words. I would just have used these three. This one looks extra, but I always needed it, right? So when, so is there any thought in the future of maybe adding a little more to accommodate grammar or is the primary focus going to be around vocabulary? Yep. Interestingly enough, 2.0 includes a whole new batch of dialogue challenges that are a lot more refined. And those are the challenges you said we're actually speaking with an NPC. And one of the other things that we've done there is your compatriot Falco, the little metal falcon that follows you around. He now gives you the capability to practice before the dialogue challenges. And within that set of practice, you're essentially learning what knowledge, one word, but some simple sets of words, maybe one or two or three, how those affect the dialogue. And you quite literally go to learn those in an out-of-sequence order is one of the cool things that it does, where it just lists all the different words-to-word pairings and allows you to try and figure out what they individually mean outside of the context of a sentence. You then go into the dialogue challenge and then you have to use it in the context of the sentence or in the context of the paragraph or how you've been how you would conversate with someone. But one of the core things about that is I know it's more so the latter half the playtesting I've done is how much that actually just sinks in with the audio and that every time you're doing those challenges you're hearing the pronunciation and enunciation of those sentences and that vocabulary. Obviously we can't cover the 101 ways that people can use language from shouting an abbreviation to 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 colloquial slang and slang terminology but at the same time certainly going out of a way to try and include as many instances that are realistic within the game that will give people the chance to be able to try and use them in the future for instance one of the side quests we have is you are essentially given a recipe to go and collect from the shops and your only way to do that is to go and visit each and every one of the shops and see every single item that's on offer. In actual fact, some of the conversation that you have with some of the shop keeps can inform you of the words that you need to then use to buy those recipes. Well, my first time when I had it, I just bought everything I could. <laughs> I took it back to me here. Is this it? Do I have it yet? Didn't learn too much that way. Didn't learn the words very quickly that way. No, wouldn't suggest it. But yeah, there was certainly, I believe, an impetus on not just going, oh, but we'll put words in and you figure them out and that's how you progress. But, okay, how can we instill this so that it's not just words on a screen? Can we have language chat dialogue challenges with NPCs? Can we have the use of these words and phrases within the quests so that people can then have to try and really work it out for themselves? Whilst at the same time, we have the Falco challenges as well, our practice challenges that give you a bit of an armament before you go into these vocabulary uh, challenges, dialogue challenges with the NPCs. Yeah, some of the sentences I was gaming the system to where I would be like, I'm not even going to listen to what it says. I just noticed that if there's three boxes, one of them has punctuation at the end. One of them starts with a capital letter. Capital yep. letter is going to be the first one. Punctuation is going to be the last. But that's it. That's it may seem a bit cheap and a bit cheesy and it's easy to do, but you're immediately you start to learn about grammar. You're starting to learn about where those words are actually going to be articulated. You may just be looking at the the, the capital letter and the abbreviations or the, the period or comma, but you're slowly but surely absorbing that, okay, that comes in that form of a sentence. This comes in before this. Quite a few times I would get caught out with that with French. 
where I would immediately go, oh, okay, so I know what that means, and I know what that means, so it would obviously go in this order. That's not the case, actually. Switch, and then it's about taking the time to engage that with your brain and make sure you've learned that yeah. next time, hopefully not. Especially with mistake. prepositions and the way, you know, what goes before the mm. preposition, mm. what goes after, and that sort of thing. All right, that brings us about to an hour. I've had a lot of fun here. I do have one last question. It's It might seem a little bit off the wall, but your companion's name is Falco, right? Yes. Is that a Star Fox reference? No comment. The Lilac Wars was uh, was my was my jam. Star Fox on the SNES and Lilac Wars on the N64. I believe y'all called it something else in the States. N64 was in 64. Star Fox 2 or something. That was my jam. That's all I can say. But <laughs> yeah, when I was playing it and I saw his name was Falco, I was like... <laughs> uh, I don't... I can't say for for a hundred percent. I don't think there was any. I don't think there was any purposeful. Okay, my head cannon's going to be that's the case now. Gonna... Okay, just don't tell Nintendo, please. No. <laughs> All right, because you guys said okay. So you said you're not working on a sequel or anything like that currently. But are you? Before we go, are currently are you still working on two point one or two point two or whatever at this point, or are you guys? starting to think about your next project or where are you guys right now? Yeah, what I can say is I can't, just to clarify, I didn't say we're not working on sequel. Okay, he says you can. That being said, we are certainly closely monitoring the 2.0 launch. I mean, we may not be aware, it just came out Thursday there, Wednesday, late Wednesday night. So obviously we're trying to wait and see any huge ramifications there. We do have some live service support going on just to make sure that we're ready for any bugs or stuff that needs quickly patched. I can see that the team is already entrenched on another another project. Yeah, it's probably the best way of saying it. That may or may not be based in the world of Terralia, that may or may not be switching across consoles anytime soon. <laughs> Speaking of Nintendo, but you didn't hear that from me. You certainly didn't hear that from me. There should be some form of official announcements in the coming days, I would say, at 30 Parallel. So, yeah, if anyone wants to keep up to date with that please follow us or our, our socials on our community discord yeah so what are your socials if people want to follow that i believe we have essentially just at terra alia for most of them if you give me just a second here i can look up the link tree and i should be able to tell you from there directly that'd be quicker than me just trying to recite them so obviously we have on steam where you can go and download the demo the demo is not of the latest build, the latest build, so it is not 2.0. And um, that being said, still a fantastic demo. It's a good way to get into the game. We also have the Terra Alia Discord that you're probably just gonna have to root around for on the Steam page. I believe there's a link. We did have that limited to people who purchased the product previously. However, now we just made that available to the wider public because we have the demo capability as well we are at tiktok on tiktok sorry we are at terra alia all one word t-e-double-r-double-a-l-i-a and on twitter i do believe it's something similar i think it's at terra underscore alia and for the twitter we're on instagram as uh, terra alia dot game all one word so that's at terra alia dot game and yeah i think we've got reddit and a youtube and a facebook and all that be sure to look us up i know there's a lot of activity at the moment on the youtube shorts 
taking snippets and what have you left and right of the development and obviously even just podcasts banners and appearances what have you a lot of that stuff's popping up this week so plenty of fresh content Terra Alley related across all the socials fantastic sounds great alright thanks for coming on and talking to us about your game it's just really exciting we haven't been able to do too many interviews this is very exciting for us to that you've reached out and given us this opportunity to do it well, I'm incredibly thankful for you taking the time out to, to speak with me and give me your time and this opportunity for us. Essentially, we done our due diligence and made sure we got as many uh, guest-oriented in the game speaking podcast that we could. And being a middle-aged gamer myself, I certainly find <laughs> the name a little more, ah, I'll speak to these lads. You'll know what's going on. We've had it. Well, yeah, thanks so much for the appearance. It was awesome. All right. Thanks for coming and see you guys later. Bye. Bye.